I do want to say good morning to our Zion West family, Kim and Karen and Ed and Shirley and anybody else I may have forgotten. I'm glad you've joined us this morning. Well, today is Epiphany. Epiphany is one of the signs that the Christmas season is almost over. For many of us, it is over. The lights and the decorations have been put away. And by the way, Epiphany is not officially until Wednesday. January 6th is Epiphany. For most of us, for many of us, Christmas is now hopefully a pleasant memory. In the church year, though, Christmas begins on December 25th, and it ends 12 days later. Remember that silly little song that starts off on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, a partridge in a pear tree? And it details a bunch of gifts that a young woman gets from her guy over a period of 12 days. And all I can say is that this guy must have had some money because he gives her two turtle doves, three French hens, four calling birds, five golden rings, six geese of laying, seven swans of swimming, eight maids of milking, nine ladies dancing, ten lords leaping, eleven pipers piping, twelve drummers drumming, and of course a partridge in a pear tree. Wow. That had to cost a lot of money. That song is a fun way to celebrate the 12 days of Christmas. The idea of the 12 days of Christmas is based on the tradition that the wise men, or the magi, as they are also called, arrived to worship the Christ child. And the guess is 12 days after his birth. You might remember that in Matthew's telling of the story of Christ's birth, the wise men are said to go into the house where the child was. There's no mention of an inn or of a stable. So we celebrate Wednesday, January 6th as the day that the Magi came to offer their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And this day we call Epiphany. The theme of Epiphany is that God has revealed himself to all people everywhere. This is an important truth. It's very important to our faith. God is the God of all people. God is the God of all nations. God is not just the God of our country. God is not just the God of the United Church of Christ or the Catholic Church or any other church. God is the God of all people and all, all people everywhere. It's interesting that the first people to bow down and worship Jesus were not Christians. They weren't even Jews. They were men from the east. The Bible doesn't say that there were three of them either. We just make that assumption because three gifts were mentioned. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now if you look to the east from Bethlehem on a map today, you will probably guess that they were either from Iran or Iraq, maybe Syria, maybe Saudi Arabia. Of course, the names of those countries have changed since Jesus' time, and so have the religions. Muhammad hadn't been born, so we know that none of them were Muslims. 
But their faith was most certainly different from the Christians or the Jews. And in this day of ethnic and racial tension, it's important to remember that all people, all people, are children of God. Those of you who are Sound of Music fans, remember Maria, the main character. The Sound of Music, of course, was based on the true story of the Von Trapp family who fled from Austria from the Nazis. And Maria was hired as a governess to take care of the kids, teach the children, and ended up marrying the father, who was a widower. What you may not know is that the real Mrs. Von Trapp was a student of the Bible. In her book called Yesterday, Today, and Forever, she tells us a beautiful tradition which involves the Magi. According to this tradition, the three wise men were from three different parts of the world, and they were three different races. So in Ethiopia, Persia, and far away in Caucasia, Caucasus, I'm sorry, there were three individual wise men, according to this story, who were all watching the sky at the same time. They each saw the star and each decided on his own to follow the star to find the newborn king of kings. After traveling many months from three different directions, they all were brought together in one place by the star. And since they were all on the same trip, they decided that they would continue the journey together. There were still many miles to travel, but finally the star led them to the holy city of Jerusalem, where they met the brutal King Herod. Maria von Trapp compares Herod to Adolf Hitler. And when the wise men left Herod, they once again followed the star until it came to rest over the stable of Bethlehem. There before the Christ child, these three men of different races and nationalities bowed down and presented their gifts. Of course, it's only a legend, but it's a reminder to us that Epiphany is about God revealing himself to all people and that we are all God's children. We are all one family. Still, prejudice against religions, nationalities, and races have always been around. At one time, it was normal for some West Indies nationals to conspicuously hold their noses and stick their tongue out whenever they passed an American. How's that for prejudice? Hatred and bigotry have been around for a long time, and they're everywhere. Prejudice seems to be rooted in human nature. It doesn't die easily, but the scriptures make it very plain. There's only one race, the human race. We all have the same original parents. God is no respecter of persons or of nations. Here's a second thought. Sometimes God does choose individual people or nations for a certain task, something he has for them to do. Israel was called to be a light, to be a light to all nations. It was not that God loved Israel more than God loved any other nation, even though Israel sometimes seemed to think so. Israel was to set an example of holiness for the rest of the world. And when that didn't work out, 
God sent a light into the world that the darkness, it says, could not overcome. It was the light of Jesus Christ. Jesus then chose some men and women to carry on his work. This was the new light, the new salt, the new leaven, and that work has been passed on to us. That's what being the church is about. What an exciting opportunity God has given to us, the church, to bring light to a dark world. There was a man who was piloting a small single-engine plane one evening, and it was just about dusk. He was headed toward a small country airport, and night came more quickly than he thought it would. And by the time he reached the little airport, it was impossible for him to see the paved landing strip because it was too dark. His little plane had no lights, and no one was at the little airport to turn on the lights. So he started circling. And for two hours, he circled around in the dark, not knowing what to do, and knowing that soon he might run out of fuel, and he might just plummet and die. What happened next was an answer to prayer. Someone on the ground heard the little plane circling the airport, and she guessed what the problem was. And so she jumped into her car, and she headed for the airport. When she got there, she couldn't figure out how to turn on the airport's lights, so she settled for driving her car up and down the driveway with her lights on high beam to show the pilot the dimensions of the runway. Then she pulled her car off one end of the runway with her headlights still on bright to guide that pilot to a safe landing. Wouldn't you like to beam such a saving light into someone's darkness? It might be a friend having family problems. It might be someone you care about battling an alcohol or a drug addiction. It might be helping someone in need of a meal or clothing or other essentials. It might be yourself in the life of a resident getting involved of a nursing home who has no one to talk to or to share God's love with. God does not love Christians any more than he loves anyone else. But he asks us to accomplish the most challenging but the most rewarding task in the whole world, and that is to be his body in this world. This brings us to our final thought. Each time we bring light into someone else's life, we move toward that day when the whole world will walk in the light of God's presence. That it has always been God's will for his world. And it will happen. There will be a day when people will make their swords into plows and they'll make their spears into pruning hooks like the scriptures say. There will come a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is who we believe he is. He is Lord. God is at work in this world today in the lives of his people. I like a story that Dr. Eugene Bryce once told that comes from a time when radio was our main form of communication, mass media. There was a sheep herder in Montana 
who wrote to the NBC Symphony in New York about a problem he had. You see, the sheep herder was an amateur musician, and he played the violin, but his violin had gotten very badly out of tune, and he was all alone. He had no way to tune it, so he needed a favor. And so on Sunday afternoon, June 18, 1938, at the beginning of the program of the NBC Symphony, a loud and clear note was sent out across the air. It was a beautiful, clear A note. And from that A note, a sheep herder out in the middle of nowhere in Montana got his violin in tune. Christ, of course, is God's A note for this disagreeing world. We are all called to sound that note in our own way with the gifts we have. We do that by modeling and showing in our lives unconditional love of God for all people. It doesn't matter where they come from or what mistakes they've made. All people are God's children and in need of God's wondrous and complete love. They're in need of our love. It's like a children's story written by James Thurber, which was called The White Deer. The White Deer is about a beautiful princess who had been changed by a witch into a white deer. And a king called King Claude and his three sons, Thag, Gallo, who were hunters, and Jorn, who was a poet, are out hunting and they come upon this white deer. And they raise their bows to kill it. But just before they shoot, the deer changes back into the princess. Well, King Claude and his son take this beautiful princess home with them, but she can't remember anything about her past. She doesn't even remember who she is. They finally discover that the only thing that will cause her to get her memory back is the unconditional love of a young man. In order to decide who this young man will be, whether it'll be Thag, Gallo, or Jorn, they are each given difficult tasks to perform. And Jorn, the poet, in the end wins the princess's hand. He gives her the kind of love that allows her to remember where she came from and who she is. Isn't that what God has called us to do for our world? By God's grace, we can show the world the unfailing love of God. We can do it by showing God's work in our lives so that the world may truly see where it came from and why it exists. All people are God's children. God is no respecter of persons. But God does select individual people and groups of people for certain tasks. I believe I have a certain calling, certain tasks. I believe each of you do as well. I believe the ch this church as a body has certain tasks that we, that God has planned for us to do. It is up to us to determine what the, those tasks are and then to follow through. That doesn't mean that God loves me or you or this church any more than any other. It just means that we are fortunate enough to be a part of the greatest adventure in this world.
Our calling is to show the world the love of Jesus in a way that draws other people to him and helps them find light for their lives. I've said it from the very beginning, from the time I started here as your pastor. If we create an environment, and we have, where people feel welcome, where they feel like they're somebody, they're important, and that we have something for them to do and to be a part of, they will not only come and visit, but they'll return and they'll become a part of our church family. And most importantly, they'll become a part of the universal church, the big church, the worldwide church. It is up to us to shine that light in order that that happens. May God give us the strength, the wisdom to do that in this coming year. I know 2020 was not a great year, but I truly believe that we're right on the verge of better things. It's just around the corner. Hang in there a little longer. All is going to be much, much better in the months to come. May 2021 be a blessed, profitable year for you, for yours, for our church, for our community, for our nation, for our world. Amen.